Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitzman, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News, presented by The Harrier. And today we have a very special guest joining us. I believe the most decorated track athlete we've had here on the podcast. So definitely a very cool person to be having here. Two-time Olympian, two-time Olympic medalist, including Olympic gold medalist, silver medalist at the 2013 World Championships. We have in the 400 and 4x4 out of University of Florida, school record holder in the 400, Tony McQuay. Tony, thanks for joining us today, man. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Uh, So first, like I mentioned, you've been able to compete for a lot of uh, Team USA teams. So I'd like to get a a rundown on or a ranking of your favorite uniforms that you guys had. What was your your favorite uniform that you've been able to rock? And then which one were you like, I wish we kind of changed this out a little bit? I'm most definitely going to jump it right here to the all black. You probably won't see us back into this uniform. But this was definitely one of my favorite ones to wear since it was a blackout. Um, we got this uniform at the World Relays, but I can't remember what year. I want to say it was 2014 World Relays. We got to wear that uniform, but we always like hyped for it and, and we wanted to wear it for the next Olympics. But that was our last year. It was that one, one in time, one time you out of it type thing we had going on for World Relays, but. Um, that was probably my favorite one to wear just because it was all black. Yeah, that's you do not see that at all anymore. They stick they stick to the red, white, and blue. So whenever yeah. you get whenever you get the change up, especially a blackout, I mean, those are like my favorite football games in high school and and all that. If you ever get a blackout, you know, that that's cool. So I gotta I gotta agree with you. That that's a cool one. Uh, which one would you say was your least favorite or one you wish maybe changed up a little bit? My least favorite. Um, probably the one that we consistently wore, this one right here, this red one, um, probably just the one we had from 2012 Olympics. Um, and then we had to wear it again back in um, 2015 World Championships. And then, uh, so I kind of was like tired of it after the first time, especially since we didn't get the gold in it from the uh, 2012 Olympics. So it was kind of like, yeah, I'm pretty much over this. So. We moved on once we got to 2016. We changed the color up to blue. So well, at least definitely it's going to be the red. Yeah, whichever one you're not winning in, that's an yeah, easy one to I'm pick. <laughs> cool. And um, so before we get into some track things, I took a look, we took a little deep dive on some of your, your past tweets that you've made. So I got some questions for you about some of your, your last tweets. Right. So I know this, the trend might be over a little bit, but this was from <laughs> October 5th, 20, uh, 2021. You said, okay. I definitely would have won Squid Games. What, what's the... <laughs> What was your what would have been your strategy? How would have you won one Squid Game? For for those that don't know how what the show was on, I don't know how you don't, but it was you everyone, what there's 400 some odd people in a room, you're competing in these childhood games and if you win and you move on and you make more money if you don't, you die. So, what what would yeah. have been your strategies uh to win the game then there? My strategy to win the Squid Game? Oh, that's a good question. Um my competitive side 
was was what I was going for when I tweeted that because I, I just put my competitive side out there to give me that uh, competitive edge over everybody else. But um, I think going into it, just from being from where I'm from down in South Florida with the mindset and just how to like read people and finesse people out of ways, trick them a little bit. I kind of had to rely on my childhood roots. So I felt like that would have gave me an edge. And I kind of would have just set myself in a position for like each game I would have tried to figure out who, I definitely would have plotted on the Asian guy um, that, was, that was the smartest. I would have plotted on him after the first one just to see how, cause I see how calm and poised that he was. I kind of would have used him to my advantage. So I kind of would have, my strategy definitely would have been um, to definitely gather all the people that I felt that were going to give an edge to each competition. And I would just try to use that to my advantage. I would have definitely never made friends. I would have never took anything personal with anybody. I would have just been strictly there for business. So when it came down to the actual um, part where you, if you had to, you know, have a heart for somebody that you was caring for throughout the games, that definitely wouldn't have been me because I, I, after the after people got shot after the first game, I already know what time it was. So I would have been trying to win and get home for that money. <laughs> Strictly business, yeah. It's strictly and, business. And it probably, that red light, green light after the first one, you're probably getting there in one thing anyway with the speed. So you might not. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just. just I was out of there. Yeah, easy, easy. Uh, <laughs> next one for you now. It makes sense because you're a Florida guy, but I'm, I have a lot of California listeners, so we might need a, a thing over here. You said this was, what, Jan April 14th, 2021. Cali's overrated. Why is Cali overrated? We need, we need to hear it. So my brother and a couple of other my friends, you know, they've been to California and I had all this hype about Cali this, Cali that growing up. Mind you, I'd never been to California. Like I never got the experience. First time I went out there, I was in SAC. So I was there for a track meet. And then one time I was actually in LA. I, was, I only came through the airport. So I didn't get the experience of what I felt like how the hype was from seeing it growing up on BET and just how people, you know, portray it to be. But one thing I can say that I did like, I like that you get both weathers. I like that it's cool in the, in the morning and then it heats up through the day. That I'm jealous that you do get. But as far as the hype that I, I had, the expectations that I had where people were like saying how Cali's this, Cali's that, the area that I was in, I, I felt like it was overrated. I didn't get to see like the beach line and Hollywood, like the shopping area, the shopping districts to know. I did go down to like, the, I think the main tourist area and I walked that strip and I just felt like it was no difference from going to Miami or any other, or Atlanta or Houston. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like LA was like the big hype that I had the expectations for. I feel you. Yeah, I was in L.A. Uh, what October of last year, and I was like, it was really cool. I love the, the weather, like you said, like not having to be muggy all the time or, you know, crazy snow. All, really great. But I, I was like, eh, I don't I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be paying. I want to pay all this this rent money in L.A. I don't, I don't yeah, know. It's, it's pretty expensive. expensive. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, then last tweet for you. Um, wanted to get an update on this, I guess you could say. This was from what, July 31st, 2019, you said, what's something good to snack on late at night? Want to know, did you ever find a good late night snack since then? Most definitely. Pomegranate seeds. Pomegranate seeds by far. I mean, you can come to me with a million cups of pomegranate seeds. I'm going to finish it that day. 
Like, I don't know what it is about the pomegranate seeds. They just hit different, especially late at night for a late night snake. Like, I don't want any, like, chips or anything like that. So, pomegranate seeds is definitely my go-to. Is that, so are they, are those sweet? Is it, like, a little savory, salty? What, they what juicy. Kind of? They juicy and crunchy. So, you get the best of both worlds. Bang. So that's what I like. They juicy so and crunchy. So if you haven't had them yet, add the add the pomegranate seeds to oh, your. No, 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 because I don't need everybody going to the store, <laughs> ripping ripping them off the shelf. Because every time I go, sometimes well, sometimes I go, they don't be there. They sell out. Uh, they're like five dollars a cup, I think, here in Florida. So they might be a little bit more expensive than in Cali. But yeah, definitely pomegranate seeds is the is the way to go. Yeah. So maybe grow your own pomegranates and and have yeah, them grow your own pomegranates. There, there we go. There we go. So, uh, like we mentioned, you're, you're coming from, uh, coming out of Florida and little known fact about you. I think this is true. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, same high school as Devin Hester. He went a couple years before you. So, I yeah. mean, you growing up on the track, was he on the, uh, one of the track guys, obviously one of the best return men in, in football. Did he also have a lot of them track records as well? Was he a, a well-known name? Yeah, he definitely, he had, I think, um, I think he had the school record in the one in the 200. I don't know about the 400, but I know that he has some type of record in the, in the one and the two. And uh, I actually have one of my football coaches was is his best friend. So uh, I was always like, you know, look up to Devin Hester after everything he did for around our high school and our community and stuff. And so um, having his best friend on our coaching staff, you know, I reached out to him and he actually had Devin Hester come to the school one time to speak. Or actually, I think he came out there to play flag football or something to talk about after practice. But I ended up missing him. I don't. I think I had something to do. I, I ended up missing him. I never did get to meet him. Um, but he had the school record in the 100 and the 200. And I think I broke both of those. And then right after I graduated, um, a kid that was under me, uh, Antoine Wright, he broke those records right after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely so I definitely have to definitely set the bar. Yeah, he sets the bar high when you're you're coming after you know one of the the best return men in in NFL history. I'm sure he's gonna have you know have some good speed for sure. And uh, so wanted now I wanted to get started on where track kind of started for you. Like what what was it that got you into running and and wanting to compete in track and field? Um, well, so it started in sixth grade. Um, I started out on the track team. Um, it was, it was something I picked up because I didn't want to play basketball. I guess. Uh, I don't know why I didn't want to play basketball. We had a good middle school basketball team. But anyway, I just took to the track team. Uh, plus all the girls was on the track team, so it worked out. So in middle school, I picked up straight out of sixth grade, straight to the 400. Uh, my mom was a track and field high school coach at Wellington High School. Uh, so she was big in the track and field. Uh, yeah, from middle school, I just took off from there and I stuck with it. Same thing, when I got to high school, I did football. Didn't want to play basketball, I had to coach you know, housed me by playing on the basketball team. And I just went straight to the track team again. Um, my thing with it, when it came to high school, my high school coach wouldn't let me run the 400 because he already had like seniors and stuff that ran the 400. So what he had me do was run the 800 because he said he had a plan for me by my senior year. So from my freshman year of high school through my junior year, I was running the 800 and the four by eight and I hated track. I really only did it because I had friends on the track team and I just stuck with it. And I, I wanted something else to do and I didn't want to play basketball. So um, I didn't really have a big passion and a, like a drive for it in high school. It was kind of like something to do just to keep doing something. Um, 
it wasn't until I got um, when I my senior year, um, I didn't I didn't I didn't know what I was capable of doing. I guess his plan really did work out with getting me strong to run the, the 400. Um, he told me by my senior year, I can choose whatever event. So I just chose to run the one, two, and the four. And then uh, my, my district meet, I, uh, we put together a four by one relay team. And we actually ended up beating the best relay teams that Palm Beach County had, which was out of Pahokee and Glade Central that year. So we ended up beating them um, for the district meet. And then I ended up winning the one, two, and the four. And then uh, when I got to state to the state track meet, um, I won the 400. I got third in the 100 and second in the 200. And then that's when a lot of schools like reached out to me. But I was big into going to FAMU since I was a baby. So my mindset was already on FAMU and I had already made a verbal commitment to go to FAMU. So that's kind of like how track took off for me. One was at my once uh, I did the state track meet and I performed well. Uh, a lot of schools reached out to me and really wanted you know get me involved, but um, I had had a situation go on with, uh, at the university at FAMU. The coach ended up getting fired for a week. Um, I was supposed to start school, so I ended up getting out of my commitment with FAMU. And Coach Holloway at the University of Florida reached out to me. He told me that um, they still had room for me over there. So my transition to college was so fast because I went up. On Friday, I met with Coach Holloway. That Saturday, I had my visit. Sunday, I came back to Palm Beach, packed all my stuff, and went back to school and started on Monday. So it was kind of like thrown into it. So that started. Um, and then my uh, my dad at the time was telling me, you know, to stay focused and do what these people telling you to do because there ain't nothing else to do when you come back home. You know, you know, get a great education here. I had a great opportunity going for me. I never did see myself on that stage or going to the University of Florida. Like I said, I was I was so committed to going to FAMU. Like it was FAMU or nothing for me. Like I had coaches and friends all try to tell me to go to bigger schools, but it was just something I just needed for myself. I just wanted always to go to FAMU because that's what I grew up to. But um, Coach Holloway and the coaching staff there and everybody there, they all welcomed me with welcome with open arms and I just fell in love with everything. Yeah, and I, I, I bought into the program, I bought into what I was doing. Um, I didn't know anything about pro, uh, professional track and field at the time. My freshman year, I was just kind of just in the mix, just trying to go through the grooves. Uh, it was hard, but I stuck with it. And uh, my sophomore year um, is when I won my first USA's, um, USA trials to go to the 2000, I think 2010 Daegu World Championships in Korea. So that was my first time actually being on the scene. Um, and that was a big shock for me because that same year I had pulled my hamstring and I wasn't able to compete um, after indoors. I had to wait all the way until uh, outdoor SECs until I was able to compete. And then I performed well at, at nationals, ended up getting second. And then that's when trials was like two or three weeks after. And Coach Holloway was like, you know, if you don't want to go, you don't have to, I'm not going to force you to go, but I would like for you to go out there and get the experience. So I was just very nervous at that time, but I just took everything for what it was, a learning experience. And I actually ended up going out there and winning. So once I made my first team and I went overseas, right when I got overseas, I ended up getting hurt fresh off the plane, doing blocks. So I wasn't able to compete, but they did get me healthy enough to you know, at least make my debut to get onto the track, you know, just to jog around. And then from there, it was still kind of like a hassle for me to like, see like what I was really doing, what I was really getting into. 
because like I said, uh, track and field wasn't my first love. So I didn't have, I'm a person that like, I have to take, I have to buy completely into like what I'm doing for me to like believe into it. Like I have to tie heart, soul and mind into it. So it was kind of like me trying to figure out, is this where I'm going to be at in life? Besides the things that where where it's taking me at in life, like in track and field, it just shot me off into like very fast, like for things I didn't even prepare for or even had like the mental preparedness or had somebody prepare me for that type of thing. It was just like, you just have to go through it to see how you're going to go through it and survive it type of thing. So uh, for my young, my young half of my career, that's pretty much how I got started was from, from middle school, just sticking with it and just going through the motions. Um, I can honestly say uh, I'm still trying to figure out to this day uh, how much love I really have for the sport because um, it has taken me through a lot of ups and downs, you know, but it, I'm very grateful for the places that it has taken me in life. Like I said, track and field can just blow you into some places in this world like you'll never even imagine, especially like being on the high stage, like you said, going to the Olympics and stuff twice. Um, I didn't even understand what it meant to make a team when I made my first team. Like, you know, I had no idea. Like, I raced, I was racing pro athletes, like Jeremy Warner and stuff like that when I was running in college. So it was just like, it was all a shock to me. I remember watching Jeremy when I was in like fifth grade. My mom was watching him, him and LaShawn race in the Olympics and stuff. So, you know, to be on that same stage with those guys, I was like, it was breathtaking for me. But, Throughout the journey, I've learned to, you know, love the sport more, grow through everything that I've been through. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy to think that you went from a high schooler in, as a sophomore and junior that was considering quitting the sport because they got coach got you out here doing 800s <laughs> to, mm -hmm. a, to a guy like, hey, I'm going to FAMU. It's FAMU or die. There's nothing else. Going mm -hmm. there, figuring out you're changing, going to Florida. Then 2010, making your first team, not even realizing how big of a deal it is, getting injured, and then having a long stretch of time of being able to make these consistent worlds and Olympic teams that most people just dream of making one. I mean, it's oh, like, yeah. like that's. I mean, Florida was a lot for me to handle because yeah. my high school wasn't a big, big high school for sports. Like, I went to state by myself. I didn't have a, tra a track team with me like some of the other kids were. Like, so, and my football team, we wasn't the best. We had a five and five record. So I was never part of like a championship team. And then coming on to the University of Florida for my freshman year, we won nationals three years straight. So it was just like a lot for me to take in, just being on a winning team, being around winners and champions. Like these people from all over different parts of the world on the team with me. So. I had a lot to think about too. Also, my talk more you know, from winning, from winning our USA trials because I had people like Will Clay, Christian Taylor. You know, those people was going pro my sophomore year, and they had to tell me, you know, chill out, T. Wait, come back to school, win national, win NCAA's. Da, 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 da. They already knew the ropes. They were already bred into the sport. They know the ups. They know everything. Like I had to look up to people like that and rely on information from them because I was I was so ready to go pro with them my sophomore year. And I was just like, no, well, if y'all going, I'm going. So that's, that was my mindset. But, uh, you know, I had no people to guide me. So I ended up coming back to school uh, for one more year. Yeah, it, it's got to be tough when you're seeing it's uh, you're seeing all of your your friends, teammates and everyone. You're like, hey, I know I'm just as good as you, even if it's a different event. 
Like, man, I want to let me let me get up out of here. Let me start oh, yeah, making some money. To get to the bed. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes that extra year development can help you realize, OK, yeah, this is this is what <laughs> was right for me. And uh, then that led you to 2012. You make your first uh, Olympic team going out to uh, London. What was that like? Was it any different from when you made your first world, like first team in 2010? How was the Olympics different, um, you know, and the experience of, of that there? It was definitely a big difference. Um, going to Korea was like a survival thing for me. Um, the, the conditions wasn't the best. Um, you know, just being in that environment, being so far away on the other side of the world, different type of food language, all that. It was just more like a survival thing. And I was more like thinking about competing. Like I said, I ended up getting hurt on the same stage. But um, it, at that point, I was just in survival mode because I was I was kind of scared being over there. I'm not even a lot, I was a little scared. <laughs> but um, the Olympics was just breathtaking. I mean, just, just going to the Olympic trials is just totally different from going to a world championship trials. Even though you're going to the same track, same stadium, um, but it's just that, that that title itself just changes everything. It changes your whole perspective. And then when you make the team, it just it also hits a whole lot different because you actually know like I'm going to the Olympics. So you don't know what to expect, but like anybody can say those words coming out of their mouth, like I'm going to the Olympics. There's a million plus things you can put into your mind of just saying, I'm going to the Olympics. Like there's so many expectations you're gonna have for yourself. Um, but it was a great, great experience. Uh, when I got there, it still didn't hit me. Um, I had one of the relay coaches ask me. He came up to me um, outside my apartment. And I was just standing out there. He, he actually said, um, he said, how you feel being out here, young bull? And I said, to be honest with you, coach, this don't feel like any, any different than any other me. And that's just how I had my mindset was. I was just looking at it like, this is just any other me for me. It's just a bigger stage. Um, I tried not to get myself so wrapped up in being in the Olympic Village. Because that can take a lot away from you, you know, seeing everybody from all the other countries, uh, different sports being around you, uh, from Team USA, just everything as a whole. I try to just wrap my mindset on just getting getting through the rounds and, and trying to get on that podium and trying to be the best I could be for that stage. Um, it was hard for me because I, I wanted to have my family more involved at the time, but they were outside the village. So I had to deal with, like, with things like that. But, you know, I'm not... I'm not trying to outcast my family so much. I mean, I have two, three weeks out before I have to compete. So it was just a whole lot that I had to take in, a learning experience, even though I had, it wasn't my first team. Um, but for it being my first Olympics, from coming off a collegiate um, career, um, I definitely could say it was a long year. Um, nothing should have had changed for me. I think I let, let myself get into an environment of feeling like I had too long of a seat track season. So I, I might just be burnt out at this time instead of just going out and blanking out everything and just putting everything on the line and just competing. So um, I had a lot to take in. It was my first time being a pro athlete under contract, things like that. So I had to think about right, the things I needed to fulfill in my contract, just everything as a whole, as a young person, just being on a, a, a professional stage as a whole was a lot for me to take in, but I wouldn't take back nothing from the 2012 Olympics. I actually felt bad for everybody who made the team in 2016 Olympics because it was nothing you could compare to from London. I mean, dealing with the Zika virus was enough from 2016. And then plus we had the bad 
um, living conditions where you couldn't flush the toilets. If you was to take a number two, you had to, you know, wipe yourself and put it in a, a toilet, a, a plastic bag. You know, the plumbing, they had to build those buildings up so good so the plumbing wasn't that good. So little things like that was different. Um, what else? I can say like, we didn't have this, they didn't have the flame in the, uh, in the stadium. That's a big thing for me from actually going to my first Olympics. That flame, when you coming down for your first race, when you hit that stadium, just the heat by itself from the torch, it's gonna take you out. Mm -hmm. So you just gotta be just that. It's like walking into the devil's kitchen for real. <laughs> but it's the experience that of that that type of feeling, those emotions, those are the things that you need. You know? So those that you want to feel, you want to feel something that's gonna shock you when you know you're at the Olympics first, and then you know you're going to, you know, the national NCAA national championships or something like yeah. that, world championship. So it would just that feeling alone was something that they missed out on or have it in the 2016 Olympics. Um, the fans, I know a lot of people thought like, you know, the Olympics was packed out. No, I don't care what they tell y'all on TV <laughs> or what they, what fake fans they can put into the stadium. It was nothing compared to the 80,000 plus fans they had in London who actually packed that stadium out, screaming, taking pictures on you on top of you and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it was just a big, big L for me, I could say from the 2016 Olympics. Um, in Rio, it just wasn't that that experience I would want anybody else to have from what I had in 2012, for sure. Yeah, London had to be crazy experience, like super cool. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was I was lucky enough in 2016 to be able to go as a fan, which was which was interesting to see the the fans' perspective. And yeah, it was a, a similar type of thing that that you're saying. I I we weren't able to stay long enough for the four by four. I might have seen one of the prelims for the 400, um, but very, it was a cool experience. Um, I could only imagine how awesome it would be as a, a fan when it, or as an athlete, when it's all packed out, like yeah. sure. That's probably what uh, Paris and um, you know, LA will be when, when we see that. Oh, yeah. One that's what the athletes want. When we, when we come in, in the stadium, like it ain't just about us. Like we really want to see the stadium packed out with fans. They like, they get us going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was really curious on because I was, I remember watching in 2012, uh, so on, on the four by four, uh, your teammate LaShawn Merritt in the prelims broke his leg and wasn't able to compete in the finals, I believe. Could you share with us what that was like when you and your teammates and your coaches are like, it's after the race, you hear about the news, what's going on and all like, what's the vibe like with you and your coaches and your teammates when you're like, crap like our guy went down like we're, we're gonna have to fill it up what, what was that kind of you know kind of like for for everyone yeah it definitely hits especially when it's one of your big guns uh, he actually ended up putting his hamstring um I think he might have tweaked it a week before the Olympics and a race I think Monaco so it was kind of like something to watch for so he was kind of already aware that something kind of like was kind of iffy with him um but for him to get there you know and still you know being in the condition that he in you know, still put himself out there to go compete in the open four. Uh, it, it gave us something to push for, even though we know like it wasn't going to be his best. And then when he went, when he went completely down and he ended up leaving the next day, it was just kind of like, all right, at this point, like, I, I, well, for me, I felt like I had to step up to the plate. Like, cause I knew like it was going to come down to a position where they're going to need the best leg 
to close it. So that's how I was feeling. I was just like, well, it might just be me to have to shut this thing down for the four by four, but I was ready for it. But um, it definitely hit because we all know that we need LaShawn. LaShawn is our, is our powerhouse closer. And so the, just to have him gone, it definitely took a little toll on some of us, but our team was young and we were ready and we were fit. So um, we were able to step up to the plate um, and, you know, and try to fill that gap a little bit. We just didn't, didn't get it done in the finals like we should have had. It yeah. would have definitely been a no-brainer in the finals. No-brainer in the finals. We would have walked away with that. But congrats to Bahamas. Yeah, it's 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 hard to to get the uh, you know not get the win, but then I'm sure it only made that uh, 2016 even more sweet when you guys were able to to then get the to get the win there. But mm -hmm. before we go to to what you had in in Rio, don't want to go over 2013. You're able to win your uh, first 400 meter silver medal in the Open 400, and I remember going back and watching. It, you were not really in the conversation at turn two to win this thing. You're in like fifth, fourth place, and they're they're talking about everybody else in that race, and then you kind of on the very last end pull out and then edge out, ended up getting second place. Could could you kind of tell us just about that race and you know what, especially what it's like to have a come from behind race, you know, really making up you know about two or three meters to to end up meddling and and getting that individual silver. Yeah, so the, for that race, actually, this was probably one of the first times that I actually, you know, I listen to Coach Holloway all the time, but that's probably the first time I ever, like, sunk into everything he was trying to tell me and do what he tried to tell me to do in the race because I guess he already seen what was going to go on. So I, I usually would listen to him, but I would go out on the track and do my own thing. But once I got out there, I was so nervous. One, just being there, I just trusted what he was going to say. I mean, I just trusted what he had told me, and I did exactly what he told me, even though that I felt that in the race, it wasn't going to work. But apparently it did, because he told me before I went out there, he said, he said, uh, he said, go out there and beat Tony McQuay. But he said, um, you got to ride, you got to ride with them guys. You can't try to go with, you just got to ride with them. Because he said, Sean's going to go and Karani's going to follow him. And that was that was the main thing I had already in my in my mind. He was like, Karan's going, is going to, uh, Lashawn's going to go, Karan is going to follow. And he know me as an athlete. He know I'm competitive, but he know that's not my style of race. So he didn't want me to be chasing after them and die. So he told me to set it up that way to just ride with them. And then um, coming off that curve, wherever whatever position I was with, whatever position I was in, just hit it. So that was kind of the mindset that I went with. Uh, and that was that was the race model that I went with. But when I was in the race, I panicked. So I actually ended up panicking um, down the backstretch, looking at LaShawn. Yeah, because he was gone. And it, and it shocked me. It shocked me how fast he was out. He was way out. He was gone. Karani did follow. Uh, I felt like I was starting to tie up after the first 200, just from trying to just ride with them. Um, but once I had came off the curve, and I started to see people kind of like not really kick too hard, but I still had another gear to go. I just kind of like just said, F it. And I, I, I don't even think I had form coming home. I think I was just like, ah, I'm just gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> like at that point, I was just trying to get there. And Michael Johnson actually came to me after that race and he told me, he said, well, you know, you would have ran 43 if you were running the second curve. <laughs> But I just felt like, hey, 43 gonna come with 43 come, but hey, I just went with the race model my coach had me, we gonna go with it. But uh, 
it paid off for me. Oh, yo, that was probably one of the, that was a big shot for me when I won. When I won, I got second place. And we went one and two. And then my partner from uh, my partner Will Santos, he got third. And that was my battle buddy on the circuit. So I was happy that he got third too. Yeah, it was it was cool watching because I remember um because like on the before you had mentioned like yeah sil- silver medal and I'm I'm watching the video uh you know a day or so ago and I'm like wait I see him right there is he sure he got silver like I'm like I'm, I'm watching like on like on the first on like the first curve I'm like oh, I don't know did, did he lie to me like let me see and then I'm like oh no yeah he, he turned it into another gear at the end there like okay I think I had the fastest I might have had the fastest last hundred of the race. I'm not mistaken from what I was told. I think I might have closed in like 11-2. So even though I didn't start off as high, I, I closed pretty fast. Yeah, that, that's what it, that's what matters. It's about how yeah. how, how, how hard you yeah how hard you guys are finishing out. And um, then yeah, like we mentioned, you're able to to then make another another team as well. Then in 2016, getting the first Olympic gold. Um, what's it like to say, yeah, I'm a I'm an Olympic gold medalist now. From, from that oh, yeah. My Olympic gold medal means a lot to me, one, because I was injured. A lot of people don't know. I ran in the Olympics in 2016 with a broke toe. I didn't even know my big toe was broke. That whole year, I was just dealing with, you know, toe pain that year. So to be able to still, you know, make a team and go out there and still be able to compete, you know, throughout that adversity, that meant a lot for me, especially with the type of field that we had to compete against. There wasn't like any pushover runners in that four by four uh, relay. One of those guys were really running. They were splitting fast. I think the guy who might've split with me on my leg might've ran like 43-2 or 43-1 or something split he had. It was something crazy fast. So, um, you know, it meant a lot for us to bring it back to USA where it should have never, I felt like it should have never been, you know, snatched away from us. But uh, it, felt, it was definitely a great feeling to have it back on, on top, you know, from that defeat. And especially, like I said, dealing with the adversity that I was going through, you know, just to be a part of that, be a part of that team, making history, that was a lot for me. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be a lot to to be able to come back from 2012. Like I'm sure it it's it was four years earlier, but I'm sure the wound still felt just as hard. Like, oh, yeah. and we we ain't win. Uh, and so for, for you, I mean, you've, you've had such this long, long track and field career that many people, you know, would love to be able to have and not many have been able to, to do. Like, what has been your recipe to be able to make sure you're staying mentally focused? Because you mentioned you've gone through a lot of adversity, whether it be injuries, and I'm sure you've had other, you know, mental battles you've been going through as well. What would you say has been a key trait that has helped you to be to stay at the top of your game when the lights are the brightest throughout your entire career? Uh, you got to keep your eye on the prize. Uh, my dad has always told me that um, even before he passed away. You know, his biggest thing was just keeping your eye on the prize, and that's been one big thing with me. Uh, you can't you can't handle. I mean, you can't control the uncontrollable in life. Um, you know, things going to be thrown at you left and right all day every day. And so, um, you know, just being level-headed and, and keeping your eye on the prize, staying focused until, I'm sorry, phone was about to die. You still there? Yeah, I'm still there. You're good. Oh, okay. I clicked up. Yeah, so just staying focused on, on, on what the mission really is at the end of the day. And for me, it was, you know, being a world champion, being a, uh, 
Olympic champion, you know, despite being on the team and, you know, kind of bringing in relay medals and stuff like that, I, I had a self goal, you know, I had you know, dreams for myself. So that's always been my mission. You know, um, I had I had a lot of things to try to knock me off, almost get me to the, you know, not coming short for that. But I mean, at the end of the day, I always remember what my dad told me, you know, keep your eye on the prize. And I never quit. Like I know what I'm capable of doing. I know who I am. And you know, that just drives me even more. And like, I love to, I love to compete no matter what situation I'm in. If I, if I got one leg, I'm still gonna compete. It don't matter what, what's going on with me. Like I'm still gonna compete. So, you know, just being driven like that way, um, having that gift from God, I didn't wanna let anything go to waste. You know, like I said, I didn't have, you know, the biggest push coming up from the, my upbringing with track and field, you know, having that, that a guidance of somebody who's been on those levels and stuff like that. So it's kind of like, I was blessed to have the competitive edge behind my upbringing, how I am, you know, to push me when I get to those stages and those levels in life. So. Uh, definitely keeping your eye on the prize was my biggest one. Yeah. I mean, because not many people are going to be blessed with the talent of being able to be a, an Olympic caliber athlete. And so when you, when you realize, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm really good at, I need to make sure I'm getting all of this. All, I need to, mm -hmm. like, you know, squeeze the juice out of all of, uh, all of what we got. Because oh, yeah. I'm sure there are a whole bunch of people that are like, oh, man, would love to be in this position. And so me being in it, you know, got to make sure that you utilize it all the way. So no, yeah, I think that's an awesome mindset to have for that stuff. Definitely, definitely. Track has taken me some amazing places around the world. So I'm definitely grateful for it. Despite having to go through the mental battles of it, I, I'll still do it all over again. For sure, for sure. Uh, and so this past year, 2021, we saw you race a few times. You did, I think the one, the two, I think maybe even a, a 400 in there as well. I mean, what's the what's the future looking like for you? We're going into going into 2022. What are what are some things that that you're you're looking forward to? Um, you know, going on. I'm definitely looking forward to going um, running the 400 this year. Um, do indoor, so I'm trying to pop it off with indoor. My goal is definitely win indoor worlds. Hopefully that we have a world championship indoor this year, and then out, outdoor the same mission is always it's going to be the same. Um, you know, my biggest focus is going to be the 400, winning that 400 and the outdoor title too. And um, set me up for my next competition for next year, leading into the Olympics. So I'm, I'll probably pop in here and there for a 200, um, just to work on some speed work type of thing. But my my mission right now is just to get on the track and just run the 400 because that's what I'm, I'm. I felt like I'm born to do, and I'm bred to do. So that's what my head is. Uh, I'm healthy this year. Um, I, I dealt with everything that I felt like I needed to deal with. Um, God, please, you know, for mental battles and injuries. So I'm ready to just, you know, just put it out there, continue to keep working hard, training hard, just put it out there and put it all together. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we saw it this past year with the Olympic trials on the women's side with Allison Felix, you know, her, her having a, a kid, it's, it seems like something about having your, your having a, a new kid in your life. You want them to see you qualify. Oh, you know, yeah. It seems like that just gives you a little extra, extra something. Cause it's not just about you making a team. It's about making, you know, your next generation see, hey, if I can do this, why can't you? Right, 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 right. Yeah, my son too, he, he definitely imitates me all the time. Um, he know who his daddy is. He, in the house from the back door to the front door, he he would call out his own lineup. He in lane four, Noah Lyles in five, 
Tyson Gay and Six, he got a, he got the names. He like all down pat. He put everybody <laughs> in the lane and he raced you from the front door to the back door. He he's, he's definitely has that competitive edge that he gets from me. Uh, he just wants to keep going and going and going. So I just want to show him that, you know, daddy's young, daddy's still going, still at it. So I want him to have that same mindset too. Nah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see when uh when we'll have him in a in a lineup coming up soon in, in high school or college or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, you'll you'll be able to to cheer him on as he's as he looks to try to you know hopefully replicate some of the stuff you've been doing. But um, so Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been awesome learning about you know you and what you've been doing in, in track and what's coming up forward for you. Uh, wh where can people go if they wanted to learn more about you on social media or, or anything like that? Oh, yeah, I'm going to definitely start being more active on my social media. But you can follow me on social media at, I think it's TMQ400, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, TMQ400 or Quay400. I don't know, one of them. I'm bad with the social media thing right now. But I'm on, I'm on Twitter as well, on uh, TMQ400. Um, I'm going to start being a lot more active there. I mean, I'm, my social media world right now has just been to the side just off of the strength of that my mindset is just so locked in around track like, I might say something here or there on social media most of the time my stuff I tweet on, on Twitter but sometimes it's mostly song lyrics that I'm listening to but um I want to get my Instagram definitely more active um you can follow me on there I'm gonna start posting more training videos and stuff like that so um, get somebody probably have to look for somebody who could do professional videos and give me some highlight videos to add on as well awesome Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tony. And, and thank you to everyone who's been listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. Uh, if you want to get more content, go and follow us on Instagram at Track World News. We post different highlights, clips, things like that. Also, make sure to leave a review. Give us a five-star rating. It uh, only takes a few seconds, but it really does mean the world to us. Uh, it's been another episode. Have a good one and peace. I'm not going to do that.